It's time for truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for truth exists to glorify God through the edification of his saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I am your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I am joined in studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, we welcome all of you listening uh, in our audience this uh, great day once again to another episode of the podcast. Uh, We are glad that you have chosen to make us part of your day. Uh, If you are finding benefit from our conversations, uh, would you just please uh, tell others about it? And we'd encourage you to share it, Uh, share it around, invite others to tune in. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. That would be that'd be great of you. Uh, Jim, how are you today? Yeah, doing great. We just finished an interview with the Shippies, and it was just such a fantastic interview. I'd encourage you, if you've not listened to that episode, to please get that. Uh, the Shippies are, are great members of our church and just a great interview, and uh, so greatly appreciate them. Yeah, we'll look forward to getting that uh, released in a future episode, so keep an eye out for that one. Uh, a, a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we love this this platform to be able to talk to you about uh, contemporary issues, to talk to you about uh, matters related to the church, as well as to get to know our church family. Yeah, and if you have any, have any questions, please send it in. Danny, we had a question on Big Eva. We use that term in some of our other podcasts. We even talk about it at the church. And so somebody asked, what is Big Eva? And we're going to save that for another episode, but know that we're going to address it here shortly. And if you have questions, please send those into us, and we'll be glad to try to answer those as we go through the podcasts. Our email address is Truth Family Bible Church, all spelled out, Truth Family Bible Church at gmail.com. And we would love to receive your questions. And uh, like Jim said, uh, probably next episode, uh, we hope to get to that question and deal with it more fully. <clears throat> but the reason why we don't want to handle that immediately is because there's another issue that we really want to talk about. And it just happened this past week. As many of you are aware, there was a school shooting at Covenant Christian School in Nashville. And it really stands out for several reasons. One of them, uh, Jim had mentioned to me this idea that it, it kind of hits a little bit harder and it feels a little bit different. And I think as I seek to put my finger on that, uh, why does this feel a little bit different? Well, because this is a ta- an attack on our family. This is an attack on our people. And, uh, you know, obviously it doesn't mean that a government school shooting is a better thing or is um, an okay thing or something that we don't care about at all. But uh, you know how it is when it's when it's your family that's, that, that's been attacked, that's been targeted, especially because of their beliefs. Uh, that, that really, I think, hits home with us. And that's something we definitely want to talk about. And uh, the first thing that, that comes to mind beyond that is that this is an attack on a Christian school. And normally we see these shootings uh, at government schools. I, I don't recall a, a, a shooting at a, at a Christian school before. Um, but my wife actually pointed out that this is a private uh, Christian school now, and, and that's where some parents actually have chosen to send their children because of all the crazy things and dangers of government schools. And, and I think that's a good place for us to start in our conversation as we think through some of these things. And so listen, just because you send your kids, of course, to a, a private school or even homeschool, it doesn't guarantee that bad things will never happen in those environments. 
Now, there is no doubt that it is still far better, far safer in terms of environment and safety and ethics to not have your children in government schools. But that doesn't mean it will always be that way, especially if things get more hostile in this world and in the culture to where Christians become targets because of our faith, because of what we believe as revealed in Scripture. And so um, it, it certainly can be more dangerous to be gathered as God's people. But we need to have a more complete worldview regarding the education decisions we make for our children. And all I'm saying at this point is that you can never totally remove your children from the possibility of danger or harm. We live in a fallen world with evil people, and, and as the culture continues to embrace the insanity and the chaos of what it means to reject God's authority over them, then our country will increasingly be more dangerous, especially for Christians. And so, yes, we should take our children's safety into account in those education decisions. But I'll say this, even if it were less safe in terms of physical threats from active shooters at private school than government school, you still cannot convince me to turn my children over to the government to be educated. Because as we've seen in the aftermath of COVID, in many people's hearts, and we need to guard our own, we cannot make safety an idol that we serve at all costs. You can't avoid some risk. You can't escape the world. And so you seek to make wise decisions, and the rest of it is resting in God's sovereignty and care. And these folks have made the decision to send their kids to a safe place, a, a private Christian school. They paid a lot of money to do so and were um, ostensibly receiving a, a, a good Christian worldview education, uh, and, and yet um, they found themselves with an active shooter inside their building. And so we just, we trust God and we make the best decisions that we can, but safety is not, um, is not something to be idolized and you can never avoid all danger. There are several other things that uh, stand out in this case, uh, Jim. In this situation, uh, the active shooter was turns out to be a woman. That's very unusual. Uh, what are some things that you make of that scenario? Yeah, it's so interesting. And first off, there was confusion because of these false words that are out there. So there was a series of confusion. Danny, you and I were confused over it. So it even it even caught us by surprise, and we finally concluded this is a woman who was believing she was a man and was acting out in a very evil way. Um, if you're not coming to Sunday night service, you should come because Danny, you've been talking about androgyny. It's this idea of, of blending these two sexes into the middle. And you see, you know, women that look like men are dressed like men, even the clothing, uh, everything with this, with society is moving to that. And it's just created confusion, right? I mean, the Bible is very clear on, male and female. Science is very clear on male and female, yet the world continues to move towards this evil description of LGBTQ and transgender and all these words which are, are false. It's, it's male and female. Anyone outside of that is just sin. They're just sinning. So, um, and, it, and it's more than that. So you, you have these people with these false beliefs, which is sin, and then you have the world around it endorsing it and trying to say that we have to accept this as truth and it's just not so actually participating in telling these people what they're doing perpetuating this lie is sin on the world's part so you have sin on top of sin that just keeps building and we know that that's never going to work out it's never going to fill the void in that person's heart 
They need to understand their relationship as male or female, and they need to have a relationship with Christ in order to fill that up. So when you build these lies upon lies, it just leads to death. And we see that in scripture. You know, James is very clear on the way that lust turns into sin that leads to death. And it's really tragic because that was the result uh, of this person's continuing to, to go down that trajectory of lying and it led to death. Well, and death in a, in a variety of ways. We've been talking about that, like you said, on Sunday nights. And if you're not coming on Sunday nights, shame on you. You, you should uh, you should make plans to join us. These are important uh, discussions and times. And, and one of the things that um, in terms of the, the cult, this is just part another part of the culture of death, right? You have uh, things like abortion. Uh, you have the increased element of taking human life and especially the lives of children. Uh, but of course, even in this transgender chaos and insanity, uh, you you do have the, um, the the castration and the the neutering of of people, and so it's not only are you taking lives lives that are active in the world, uh, but then it also restricts the ability to bring a new life into the world, which of course is also a suicide for any culture uh, as well. Uh, you already mentioned, Jim, this idea of the confusing element of the situation. And it's really wrought by the, the language and the way in which things are spoken about. The, uh, the confusing part is the lack of agreement on how to reference people by their gender, which uh, until five seconds ago was pretty easy to do. Um, but early on in this shooting, uh, reports and statements were made about the shooter being a trans woman. Now, when I heard that, a trans woman is a man who wants to be viewed as or treated as a woman. And so he looks more feminine, uses a feminine name and feminine pronouns. And what's difficult is that it is common in the media today to use a person's identified or preferred gender name and pronouns. So for instance, virtually everyone in the media, uh, in the news and so forth, refers to Bruce Jenner as Caitlyn Jenner and as she instead of he. And so initially I was confused because the the police and media reports, they kept referring to the shooter as she and using her female name of Audrey. And so when you say it as a, it's a trans woman and they use the female names, I assumed that they were, that they had just adopted the woke nonsense in their communication. And I translated it to mean that the shooter was actually a dude named Samuel because Samuel was the, the, the male name that this person had uh, apparently appropriated. Um, and so the, I thought the person's name was Sam, actually Samuel, but was using the name Audrey, um, instead. And, and when you combined that with the fact that nearly all school shooters are boys, it, it made sense. So, uh, it turns out that the police and the media were not respecting the shooter's identity and preferences, which I'm, I'm all for. The problem is it gets confusing because they normally do. Uh, and so again, it just throws everything into confusion because there's no agreement on how we refer to people. And, and I want to argue for, and I want to encourage all of you uh, to give no respect to the make-believe and rebellious preferences of people who play make-believe and identify as the opposite sex. Uh, Audrey was a female, and they were right to refer to her as such. Caitlyn Jenner is actually Bruce, and he is a dude who appropriates femininity badly, by the way, by plastic surgery and women's clothing and makeup. 
And I, I believe it's best proper for us as Christians to not play their game. We live in real, in, in, as Rush called it, realville. Uh, we live in the real world. Um, be willing to be hated and speak the truth and, and not worry about um, how the rest of the world sees us. We need to live in reality. And um, so that's why it was confusing because sometimes nowadays you have to do that mental gymnastic move to translate in your head what you're hearing and actually figure out what's actually happening. Happening, And, and they didn't play by their own rules. And so it got confusing as to who this shooter was. Well, uh, Jim, what else should we take away from this shooting? Yeah, and just encouraging or endorsing what you said. If if we do endorse that lie, we're perpetuating it. And so that in and of itself is is not good. It's not biblical. Um, we should speak the truth, and the truth is in love. And so we have to continue that. But there's more than that. I mean, you know, John Calvin said, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers, right? And so we have a nation that sends women to war, right? That should never happen. Women should never go to war. And men need to lead. I mean, actual males need to lead. And we see that. We saw those officers, um, those officers that went in, they didn't execute by not being prepared, right? And so they practiced and trained like it mattered. And it did. And so as men, we may not see the conflict in front of us, but the reality is, is there's no neutrality in the world. And so we are going to face conflict as we go through that. And the only way we can react to that is to train and be prepared in advance. And that's, that's our sanctification process. That's us participating in God transforming us into the image of Christ. And so we have to study our Bible. We have to engage, um, in biblical things, and we have to understand the world off of what God tells us. So that's the first and foremost. Then the other thing is, is they didn't do it alone, right? That officer pulled on the scene after being very polite to the school administrator that was giving them the scene. I was stunned. He says, yes, ma'am, right? His, his response was, yes, ma'am. Next words out of his mouth, give me three. And he immediately went into action the time between when he arrived on scene, when they actually took the evil person out, it was astonishing the level of, of tension that was caused and yet professionalism. And you could see the training coming through and everything that we did. And that's, that's a model of how we should be taking things, the evil that comes at us and how we take it to the Lord and process it and, and make sure that we're behaving in a way that godly, godly way that God wants us to. So you know, that's the key for me is, is making sure that we're prepared in advance, uh, that we're working on our own growth in advance and that we're ready for when the evils come. Um, the other thing we need to be aware of is the world, you know, they're going to spin this and we already see it. I called it out immediately. They'll spin it to, she is a victim as well. Well, she's not, she was an evil person, uh, that was sinning and it built to the point where it led to death. So they're going to spin it. And then the other thing they're going to do is they're going to blame the gun. And we already see that, you know, we, we've got to pass this gun legislation as if attacking conservative views is the right approach to this instead of calling the evil person evil. And then lastly, I think that, you know, they'll move. This is all part of the devil's plan. They'll move to, we see it in Canada. It's this conversion therapy concept where we have to embrace them for who they are. Well, if we did that, we would call them male and female because that's who they are. But they want us to embrace this lie. And that leads to, oh, we, we can't convert them. Well, the ultimate end of conversion, conversion therapy is not sharing the gospel. Because if we share the gospel with somebody and they become a believer, 
that would be considered conversion. So that's, that's the end plan. We need to be aware of that. We need to be cognizant of that. And we need to build ourselves up for if that battle comes, if the world continues to deteriorate that way, which I believe it will. But, you know, I, I think that we've got to be ready for that. And I think there's a, another element you already hit on this a little bit, the, the reality that the, even the media is not friendly towards this church, even though they're um, they're reeling right now. I saw a, uh, or read an element of an interview with the the former pastor who will be doing some of that, the funeral elements of this, um, uh, of some of the people involved. And the reporter was, was, had an agenda. This was not about re reporting the news or hearing from this person, but it was really attacking this idea of that they're going to be pr uh, pe people praying that they were going to be turning to the Lord and really questioned, uh, maybe you shouldn't be turning to the Lord and you should be actually doing something about these guns. Uh, you know, stop the stop the craziness of the guns and 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 put aside your prayers and and do something. And so again, this is just this this leftward lurch in our media that continues to um, to, to be an antagonistic and against the Christianity and the gospel. And that's going to be something that continues to ramp up. We we that was just a little disappointing. But understandable that he, this poor guy was uh, kind of blindsided. He didn't realize that he was dealing with uh, someone who was against him and 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 against these people. And so, um, just a, a, a tough one. But this is the top opposition we're, we're going to face. And Danny, you opened with safety. There's there's no there there's always risk. We always have to go into that. But I will say the safest environment for women and children is in a patriarchal home led by a God fearing man who's going to provide and protect his family, who goes to a God-fearing church and is surrounded by other God-fearing men. That is the safest environment that you can have while we're here in this earth. No, that's very good. Well, I, I think it would be good to uh, also pray for Covenant Christian School and the families of all the staff and children affected. Listen, uh, these some people might not feel a, a closeness and an affinity for these particular people or their school, because well, that, that's not my denomination or or whatever. These are these are our people. Um, these are people who name the name of Christ, and um, and we want to uh, pray for especially for our people and and the church in our in our country. We want to pay, pray for this PCA church out there. Uh, pray for their bold witness and, and pray that they would not compromise, but also pray for their comfort that they would turn to Christ and that they would. Um, receive the peace that only he can truly provide for them. And so uh, we just want to even just take this time during this podcast. Um, Jim, would you just uh, say a word of prayer for this school and for this church? Yeah, Lord, we come to you and we know that you're sovereign uh, and we have to reconcile it against our actions in the world and the world as it takes action. So Father, we come to you. We pray for uh, those families that were impacted by this directly uh, due to the victims. Um, we pray for that church and school, Lord, that you would uh, give them understanding and direction and resolve as they grow through this. Uh, we pray for the officers and the officers' families that were involved in this, Lord, and pray that if they're not believers, that uh, they would see your sovereignty through this. They would seek your word and, and be able to have understanding of the actions that were taken uh, were godly actions, and that through that, uh, good can come. So, Father, we pray that uh, you would use these events uh, not only locally, but nationally, uh, to have people understand the fears, 
understand their need for a Savior, understand their need for truth, and understand how to reach out to you or hear your word in a way that uh, you draw them to you and uh, that you would work mightily through this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we want to transition now to our topic for today as we continue in our series on our church distinctives here at TFBC. And we talked last time about our distinctive of the five solas of the Reformation. The first one of those solas is uh, sola scriptura. And so we talked about the Bible alone as our highest authority. It is the Bible that we need to return to as our authority for all of life and godliness. And the return to scripture was the catalyst for the whole Protestant Reformation. And if we are to have another Reformation in our day, it is also uh, one that must come about by a return to the whole counsel of God, uh, which will lead the way. Our website states the following. We are proud of our Reformation heritage and stand firmly on its principles. Sola Scriptura, the Bible alone is our highest authority. Sola Fide, we are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Sola gratia, we are saved by the grace of God alone. Solus Christus, Jesus Christ alone is our Lord, Savior, and King. And sola Deo gloria, we live for the glory of God alone. And so we want to talk about today the second of the five solas. Sola fide, sola fide means faith alone. And it is a summary statement that we are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Now that sounds very basic. It sounds very normal to hear those words to most of us, but it is actually much more profound. Uh, what the reformers were fighting to recover was the very heart of the Christian gospel from the scripture. And the primary issue they recovered was this idea that justification before God was on the basis of faith. That wasn't new, but they saw that the Bible represented justification as being unhitched properly so, from any good works of man. At that time in the 16th century, and still today, the Roman Catholic Church taught that salvation was received on the basis of faith and works. It is not accurate to say that Rome believed in salvation by works alone. Rather, faith in Christ and the sinner's own good works were seen as the means of justification with God. J.I. Packer described Rome's view of salvation as a piecemeal salvation to be gained by stages through working a sacramental treadmill. Packer said, quote, Rome had said, God's grace is great, for through Christ's cross and his church, salvation is possible for all who will work and suffer for it. So come to church and toil. Jim, you have mentioned your Roman Catholic background. Would you say that this accurately represents your understanding of the Catholic system of salvation? Yeah, it does. A lot of people think it's faith plus works, but what they don't realize about the Catholic background is that works never satisfies, right? And so works builds. And I love the way he described it. To me, it's a multifaceted belief system of falsehood, right? And so it's more than just works. It's It begins with baptism and it goes into their authority over scripture. So, that, so now they're controlling what it actually says to you. And then you do have the good works, but it also is remaining in this one true church, as they call it. And so it really means good standing within the Catholic church. And good standing is open to perspective. It's, are you tithing? Are you serving? Are you doing? And so it's 
it's works on works on works. The works that really sense? eclipse the faith. Yeah. Part. It's not as much about faith. It's actually the works. And and that's what that false religion does. It just becomes works on works on works. So really sad. And again, I was an altar boy, so I apologize for that level of detail. But ultimately, you can never satisfy. Yeah. So. Well, Luther and the other reformers, uh, with their rediscovery of the scripture, they came to a fresh understanding of justification as being separate from our works. Scripture such as Romans uh, 3.20, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And then further in that same chapter in verses 27 and 28, where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Very explicit. Galatians 2.16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by, the wor by works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Just very explicit scripture, yet shrouded and, and hidden by the, the machine of the Roman Catholic Church. And of course, Romans 1 verse 17, a real catalyst for Martin Luther. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. And so these passages were vital to a recovery of the true gospel of justification by faith alone. And it uh, really broke the back of Roman Catholic deception and false teaching. It really exposed it. And we see this. We see, you know, as God's word moves forth, some people hear it and respond. That's actually faith beginning a work in you. And that is a gift of God. And then you have other people that hear it and it falls on, it falls away, right? And so clearly there has to be an aspect there that, moves you towards towards receiving Christ and and that is faith. And I know you're going to hit on Ephesians 2, but being Catholic, I've got to jump in. It says faith is not from man, not a work of man, but a gift from God. I mean, and and that's the key. Even as scripture comes to you, if you respond to it, it's because God gave you the faith to respond and it has nothing to do with you. Fantastic. That'll preach, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, while the truth of the scripture was it was clearly on the side of the reformers, they they definitely faced a huge obstacle and opposition uh, from the Catholic Church, and, and that fought uh, that that fight was a, a threat to uh, the power of the magisterium and the religious stranglehold that they had on the people. Because as it turns out, the business of salvation is very lucrative if you if you predicate salvation on the approved works of the church and you that's what you were really hitting on jim right the 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 good standing of the church and what the church prescribed for you was your salvation uh, and so you may be familiar with the concept of selling indulgences the good works that people could do for salvation was very expensive and that system served to build a religious empire of dominance and so the reformers um, had better well be convinced that their positions were true to scripture because they had they and their followers would be in a serious battle and they received significant persecution but the key element 
Jim, is this matter of faith alone. And we understand that it is this way because the Bible says it is, but why can it be no other way? Yeah, so if we could, we would share credit or glory to God. We would take credit for it. It would become a work of our own. And as I said earlier with the Catholic Church, it would actually build into works doesn't satisfy. So you would build and build and build, and then you would literally become your own God. I mean, that's what we see in the world today is these idols just grow and grow and grow. And Paul makes a point that uh, this the salvation that is of God leaves no room for boasting in man, for it is not based on our works. Yeah, and, and it assumes a spiritual life that, that in us, apart from God, is to do good. But the reality is, is that it's back to this neutrality. If you think you're born good, then what is your basis for evil? What, what is causing evil? If everyone is good and growing and good, then there should be no conflict. But the reality is, is we are born depraved. We are born void of God, void of any good at all. Goodness we see around us is simply mercy. So. Uh, that's good. Well, and it, it can't be any other way also um, because you know it removes justification from being credited at once and it connects then the new birth and regeneration and, and it turns it into a process through all of life which destroys any real possibility of assurance. That's what you were really pointing out, right? That, 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 that you can't be assured of salvation um, because you haven't, been clear as to whether or not you've worked enough. Right. Um, yeah, you can never finish. And so it, it really destroys this idea of justification and the new birth. Uh, it all just has to get weighed out in the end. And, um, and so the reformers had recovered this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And, and I think it is important to talk about what faith is. And you are already hinting towards this. Some speak of faith as if it is the lone good work that we are capable of. They act as if, well, yes, we are totally depraved, but we are, though, able to choose. We are able to believe in our sinful nature, and that just is not true. We, we, we think that we are better off, that we are not as corrupt as we truly are. Uh, and Ephesians 2, 8, 9, are just a classic verse, uh, or a couple of verses. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And, and so what, what's Paul saying here? Well, first, we, um, we need to um, identify that God's grace is received through or by the means of faith. Faith is the way we receive God's grace. But the next phrase is very important. And it says, and that not of yourselves. And that what? And that faith is not of yourselves. And that's the exact point you were making, Jim. It is the gift of God. Faith is a gift. It is not a work. Faith is a gift from God. It is not generated from within our, our sinful selves that are, that have a portion of a, a portion within us that isn't fallen. It, it instead, actually it comes from God. And so there is of course a mystery here. Um, these are difficult things to comprehend. But, but God's word is the standard of truth and reality. And so we must stand on what it says. Clearly, we are involved in faith and we are called to the obedience of faith and we are rewarded for faith. But we cannot boast in our faith because all glory goes to Christ because it all comes from him. And, and so we, as we finish, before we finish our discussion, we need to further define faith. We started off with a recognition that it comes from God. But what is faith, actually? 
the writer of Hebrews gives us a definition in Hebrews 11, verse 1. He says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Everybody, everybody got it? It's kind of a challenging verse, actually. It's challenging because it's, it's not abundantly easy to understand. We need to put it all in context. Faith is not blind, nor is it wishful thinking. It is assurance, and it is confidence that what is not seen is still true. You don't see God. You don't see your reward. You don't see the blessing now of following the Lord. But you believe that God has spoken truly in his word, and therefore you're going to live in the light of that assurance, that confidence in unseen realities. And that's where the writer of Hebrews goes in the rest of the chapter after this definitional discussion. He says, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, and on and on it goes. And the proof of their faith was in their actions. It was in their crucial decisions, the obedience of their lives that showed faith was in their heart. It showed that they believed in something beyond what was what was simply in before their eyes. So on this side of the cross and in the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are justified before God, not on the basis of any contribution of good works that we do, but solely by means of faith. That is belief, confidence, assurance that even though we don't see Christ, we don't see the court of heaven. We know that God in Christ by his word has purchased our salvation, and now we demonstrate our faith in works of gratitude and love for God. The gospel, our faith that has been gifted to us in the person and work of Christ, it now takes action. It now shows itself to be real in our lives because it changes the way we think, it changes the way we live. And God is the one who has done it all for us, including the gift of faith, to believe this glorious gospel. I love that. And I think reminding ourselves of that every morning, that it is faith that put us, that God gave it to us and put us in this position of now we can faithfully believe and move forward in sanctification is a beautiful thing. And, you know, I think about there's this great video of Alistair Begg. He's doing the thief on the cross is what we call it, right? There were no works of the thief at all. He wasn't baptized. He didn't know the doctrine of X, Y, and Z. And every time I watch that, I literally tear up. And, and it's such an important reminder as we begin our day to understand that gift from God of faith, even to begin that process that he's taking us through. So important. I love the punchline of that uh, wonderful sermon. I, I, I've seen it a bunch of times and it still gets me. <sighs> the man on the middle cross said I could come. That was the and that's the reason. basis. That's the basis. And, 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 and why, why are we there? It's because he's given us the faith to believe in the man on the middle cross who right. for us, we've never seen. And, and yet we believe in him. And that makes all the difference for us that he is, he has loved us before the foundation of the world, chose us in him. And then, uh, and then gave us uh, the spirit of God to believe and to persevere to the end all of these wonderful things we'll even get to in further episodes and we talk again that you've got faith by grace we are saved and then you have this beautiful picture of the thief in heaven that alistair points we are here today in our sanctification process so so many people spend a lot of time on the beginning and the end and not on the middle and we now can walk faithfully 
in what God has planned for us, including good works that he's designed for us today as we walk in, in faith. So, Oh, that's wonderful. A wonderful recovery. This is something of, of importance for us as a church. This is something that we stand on, the heritage of the Reformation that is so important to our, our, the life of our church, that we would have a pure gospel that is, that is preached and believed, uh, for that is the, the power of God and the salvation. And so we are, are just grateful for those who have gone before, who God has used to recover the truth of the Scripture, and that we can too easily take for granted. We are grateful that the Lord has blessed us with His Word and with eyes to see by His Holy Spirit. Well, that's all the time that we have for truth today. We want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ and his church as we are sanctified in the truth. God's word is truth.